As we continue worshiping together today, siblings, I invite you to turn in your Bibles or Bible apps to the Gospel according to Luke, the 24th chapter, beginning in the 13th verse. Let us receive together the Word of God. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them, the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Receive what the Spirit is saying. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Draw us in. Thy spirit's tether, O God, connect us in your spirit and let your spirit infuse 
my humble words this day, that they might flow on the wings of your grace and mercy to land in all the places where this gathering are coming together in worship right now, that your word might be received. I pray it trusting in you, O God, and in the power of the risen Christ. Amen. In the midst of political and social unrest, class and race divides, gross economic disparities, and alongside religious institutions pickled in this brine and rarely able or willing to acknowledge how deep their collusion things were beginning to look up. New leadership was emerging. Momentum was building. Resources for a new movement were growing. And though it was sure to continue an uphill battle, big changes seemed possible on the horizon. And then it all got interrupted. Life got interrupted by death. The leaders that the people looked to for order, for protection, for care, had not stayed the death sentence, but had enabled it. There are reports and proclamations of great hope that all is not lost. After all, that what might have been imagined as an end is really a beginning. That death has been overcome. That justice will be done. But the evidence is debatable. What isn't debatable is the suffering, the loss the disappointment, the anger, the injustice, the despair, uncertainty, fear, and grief. The two of them are walking and talking about these things, maintaining appropriate social distance on their way home to Emmaus, Pennsylvania, about five miles southwest of Allentown. It's the third day, the third Sunday, that is, of Easter. And the story has been told again, the promise proclaimed. But the death toll rises. The leadership at the top of government and some religious institutions is questionable at best. The disease is everywhere, unseen until it appears in bodies, 
whether near or far, those bodies, known or unknown. And before setting out for their hike home, these two had both spent considerable time on Twitter and reading the news. And so they know, they've learned that essential workers in many places are being treated as expendable. Migrant farm workers and trash collectors and even nurses and so many more are exposed to unsafe working conditions and are struggling to get the personal protective equipment that they need to be safe and to continue to do their vital work. The travelers have learned not only of jobs lost and long lines at food banks, but also of inequities and injustices upon which our nation has long depended to sustain the economy, to sustain the welfare of the privileged. These things having been laid bare in the wake of this pandemic. Our travelers have read how low-income communities are more likely to be exposed to the virus, have higher mortality rates, and suffer economically, and that in times of economic crisis, these vulnerabilities will be more pronounced for marginal groups, identified by race, by gender, by immigration status. They'll know from their you know, just five seconds on Twitter, they'll know depression and anxiety and addiction relapse can get triggered. They know that COVID-19 is still not completely understood, that it's acting differently from other viruses and is very difficult to track. They know that widespread testing is not yet available, much less a vaccine. They've heard from friends who are grieving loved ones who have died alone and friends who suffer because their loved ones are now alone suffering in nursing homes and hospitals. Easter has been proclaimed, but as they walk along talking about all these things that are happening, they aren't feeling Easter. They're feeling the strain of the situation and they're feeling the strain of what they'll walk into when they get home, one of them a marriage at the edge of breakdown and the other to an empty apartment that might be lost if the unemployment doesn't come through. The things they had been looking forward to that were giving them some hope, the momentum, the potential for some movement in a good direction, in their work or in the world, in their lives even, all of that has been shut down. As they walk along, they aren't feeling Easter. They are overwhelmed with sadness, with disappointment. They're distracted, they're anxious, they're exhausted. And then, their journey, their hike gets interrupted too. It's like the when the person seated next to you on the airplane decides to strike up a conversation when you're really not in the mood, a stranger sidles up next to them. 
asking what they're talking about. They're noticeably aggravated, as if anyone right now wouldn't know what's going on. Even so, they lay it all out there, even including the bit about it's being the Easter season, you know, new life, resurrection, hope, blah, blah, blah. And then the stranger also seems to get a little bit aggravated and starts schooling them as if that's okay. Have you completely missed, says the stranger, have you completely missed what the prophets and the news reports and the Easter story are actually saying? Did you think that human vulnerability would magically cease or that consequences of human action or inaction would just be erased? That God would all of a sudden be in the business of sidestepping human cruelty and justice, suffering and folly instead of meeting us right there to wake us up, to try to turn us around and to bring us through. Look at the stories of your faith from Moses to Esther, to Mary Magdalene, to the prophets of even the 20th and 21st century. God is with them in their weakness and in their strength, was with them in the face of injustice and tyranny, was with them in their particular moments of crisis and suffering, and then strengthened them to do difficult things for the cause of right. Look at what Jesus said and did. How he tried to get folks to see what the prophets had been saying all along about the wages of injustice, the wages of greed and the lust for power. How he told his disciples that he would die and they didn't believe him. How he didn't erase vulnerability but took it upon himself, how he wept for the ways that those at the power center in his day, Jerusalem and ours, well, how those folks would not receive the peace he offered. He wept. Look at how Jesus went through it all and emerged alive, offering to you and to me that life, that same life. Look, don't you see? Over the centuries, promises are fulfilled right in the midst of crisis. In a constant unfolding, God's love and mercy and beauty and compassion continue as always, bringing new creation out of chaos, light out of darkness, hope out of despair. Life out of death. Well, this was all a bit much. And at this point, the travelers are near home. What will they choose to do? The thing that we so often do? Just keep our head down, brush off the hope that's kindling in our heart and then disengage from the person who's crossed our path 
Okay, bye. This time, who knows why, the travelers decide to hang out a while longer and invite the stranger to join them in the backyard where they sit at appropriate distance to share some snacks. And as the evening wears on, something happens. Two weary and wounded friends see one another. <laughs> they become conscious of their gratitude to have such a companion in the midst of struggle. And they become aware of how this unexpected new presence has helped facilitate this awareness and how this unexpected new presence has pushed them to remember the promises of their faith, even if they can't feel it or not even sure they believe any of it anyway. It's brought it to mind. At one point during their evening with candles on the patio table glowing, when the bread and cheese comes out with shouts of thanksgiving and praise, because come on, y'all, let's face it, bread and cheese are amazing. There's even some good gluten-free these days. At that moment, they begin to realize that the person who had sidled up next to them is gone. Because the stranger is no longer a stranger but has become a friend who, like them, is simply trying to hold on to hope, simply trying to find her way. The story of the road to Emmaus is well known in church-going circles. In this last chapter of Luke, from which Paul read for us today, the writer wraps up the first book in the series because the book of Acts is the sequel. And the writer in this chapter points out that the gospel itself, the gospel of Luke, is itself a sequel, a continuation, uh, and, and a turning point in God's story of saving grace. In this chapter, Jesus opens the scriptures to the travelers on the road, interpreting how the Messiah has been promised all along, how the suffering, the death, the resurrection should come as no surprise. And when Jesus later appears to the whole gang back in Jerusalem, he opens the door to the ongoing journey promising to send the power that disciples will need to proclaim God's mercy in the world, a reference to Pentecost, to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. All of this context matters because the road that we travel today, this very moment, the journey that we are on is not different the journey that we're on to Emmaus, Pennsylvania, or our homes in whatever our context is not different from the road that they traveled in Luke 24. Our lives are a continuation of the story. The next book, if you will, in God's ongoing redeeming work 
in the world, injustice and corruption and greed and disease, all these things were present then and they're present now, interrupting our lives in all sorts of ways. Also present then and now are countless travelers trying to find our way, all trying to live, to have what we need for ourselves and our families and all at various places along the journey. I imagine that some, perhaps many of us, are not feeling Easter right now for a variety of reasons, and that is okay, of course. As we deal with our own challenges and thoughts and feelings, aware of the intense suffering of so many, both near and far, I want to encourage us to be aware of what those things are doing to our hearts. The travelers in our text today are at different times slow of heart or having burning hearts within them. Last fall in our Becoming Beloved series, we pondered together the question, what do you allow your circumstances to do to your heart? It's a perennial question. In this intense moment of distress, what's happening to your heart? In moments of pain, the human heart always has a choice whether to become more tender or whether to become hardened. One choice, of course, is, is an opening and one builds walls. So often when we hope for something, for love, for newness, for justice, we get disappointed or hurt, humiliated. And I've heard so often a loved one say, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. It's difficult to trust when we've been hurt. It's difficult to hope when our hopes have been Dashed. It's difficult to believe a promise when our hearts have been betrayed. It's difficult to believe that life and love and justice will win in the end with so much history bearing witness to the contrary. Are we willing to remain open, hopeful, trusting in such a hard, brutal world? Are we willing to open our hearts to hope. What does that even mean? It means allowing ourselves to hope for those things promised in God's unfolding story. For freedom and forgiveness, peace and loving and just relationships, for joy and new life for ourselves and for the whole world. It means claiming the Easter promise that in spite of the facts, goodness is stronger than evil. Death doesn't have the last word. Human life has eternal value, dignity, and meaning. And love has the power to save someone's life. Christian hope is not just a nice 
idea. It is embodied in Jesus, in flesh and blood, so that we might finally see that our hope is not just wishful thinking. Today in our story, weary, wounded travelers, full of disappointment and grief, allowed their hearts to be open just enough to unknowingly welcome the risen Christ into their conversation and into their home. And that, in turn, brought insight and gratitude, new relationship, purpose, and identity as part of God's ongoing story. It allowed them to welcome hope as a companion on their journey. In a world where there's so much despair and cynicism and suffering, one of the the most powerful things that you and I can do is to allow our hearts to remain tender and open so that hope might find a hospitable home within us. Hope living in us might look like simply getting through another day because some part of us trusts that things will not always be this hard. Hope living in us might look like forgiving someone, maybe even ourselves. Hope living in us might look like giving some of your surplus so that others might have just what they need. It might mean doing the kind thing, the loving thing, the brave thing, the beautiful thing, the creative thing, knowing that these things might be misunderstood or rejected or ignored or destroyed or make no discernible difference, but doing them anyway because they might mean life for someone. They might for someone be a tangible sign of hope in flesh. Sometimes providing hospitality for hope might simply mean trusting that with Jesus Christ alive in the world, you just never know when something strange and even unwanted might bring moments of joy, revelation, purpose, and new relationship. When one thing might turn into another, a stranger into a friend hunger into satisfaction, mourning into dancing, brokenness into wholeness, fear into trust, death into life. I don't know about you, but the story that I want to be a part of will have hope as a companion and really good bread and cheese. It'll be an adventure story about the journey toward God's promise that love wins. Maybe we can encourage one another to write and live that story together, trusting that Christ will come alongside to help us. 
May it be so. Amen. Friends, in this season and throughout this series, we are blessed to receive witness from members of the Foundry community sharing with us from their own experience. And today we're blessed to hear from our sibling, Ed Crump. Let's receive his offering to us now. Thank you, Pastor Ginger. For those of you who are just joining us, my name is Ed Crump. And I'm here to share a word with you about how my faith is being challenged, strengthened, and lived out here at Foundry during this pandemic period. My weekly routine, as a lot of you know, for the past uh, several years has been to come up to Foundry after work two days a week. Uh, one night for our Conscious Contact Prayer and Meditation small group and open AA meeting, and one for a Bible study. Uh, we're currently doing the Disciple 2 Bible study. As we ended up under these stay-at-home orders, all of our regular routines were totally interrupted, and, and I was initially worried about what that would mean for those community and fellowship activities. And I was very pleasantly surprised as we seamlessly moved into an online format. For our Bible study, we've been using Zoom so we can still see each other. Do We've been doing our daily scripture readings and discussing our weekly lessons like we always do. And also we've been maintaining doing, uh, having prayer requests and praying for one another. And that's been especially life-giving now, knowing we are praying for each other during this difficult time. We've all got struggles relative to the pandemic in different ways. And it's been very comforting to know that we're praying for each other. We also agreed as a group to pray every night before we go to bed, specifically for COVID-19 and all of those who are suffering. And I found that knowing that I am praying with a group of people every day gives me um, purpose and focus in the lamenting and the suffering um, that, that we're seeing. On Tuesday nights, um, we have a prayer and meditation meeting, like I mentioned. We've been meeting uh, as, as usual uh, via Zoom. And not only have our regulars been joining, but we've also had visitors from different parts of the U.S., uh, from um, different folks who have moved around the country or friends of friends. And we even had somebody from the Philippines last week, uh, which was really, really cool. Um, so that's been, that's been beautiful. And we actually have more people coming now um, than we have uh, regularly before. I also want to share from the DuPont Northwest uh, Recovery Community. Uh, it has just been amazing to see the recovery community come together just from the DuPont Northwest LGBTQ friendly community, there has been a list compiled of over 60 meetings each week that folks can participate in. And what I've seen is, is that folks are um, going to more meetings, having more community, getting together um, on FaceTime and, and having um, social hours and that type of thing. And it's been really beautiful to see. It's also been beautiful to see uh, folks from all over the country participate in these meetings as word has gotten out. A lot of these folks are in areas where they don't have LGBTQ friendly meetings and uh, it's beautiful to see them here. And I just wanted to share that with you that for me, this time has been really upsetting, but being part of communities that are life-giving, like I mentioned, has really made all the difference. And I'm really grateful to God for the life-giving community that's been put in my life. And to me, it's proof that the kingdom is truly available today, every day for each of us. And I hope it is so for all of you. God bless everybody.
We are so blessed at Foundry with extraordinary lay leadership, servant leaders who are in community and guiding and caring and nurturing community and small groups. And I especially want to say thank you to Ed for all of the ways that he serves among us. And thank you for his witness today. We have heard him share about the power of intentional community and providing space for holding all that we hold in life. And especially in moments like this, all of the complex emotions and needs that we're holding. And earlier today, you were invited to think about making a commitment to your own intentional community and relationships to think about what you're already doing, what you may want to do, or things that you feel you may need to strengthen and deepen your relationships and connection with God and with others. So now we'll pause just a minute and I'll invite you to to think about um, some of these questions, um, what you need to be doing to grow into more deeply who God is inviting you to be in the ongoing story uh, that God is telling in the world. What daily rhythms might you adopt or change that would help you uh, make deeper relationships? Um, In what ways might those relationships help you perceive the presence of God? God's resurrection, hope, and joy, and life. As you think about those things, we invite you, if you'd like to do so, you can always write them down and add them to your worshipful space. As a reminder, you can write them in a journal if you keep a journal. You can share them if you feel comfortable doing that um, with the gathered body on the various platforms where we're gathered and connecting today for worship. And I will pray as you continue to think about this. Let us pray together. Life-giving God, we give you thanks for the ways you join us on the journey of life, for the gift of Christian relationship and fellowship, for the hope of intentional relationships, and for the ways that these gifts open our eyes to your living love. Bless the questions that we've asked and are asking and the actions that they invite that all may be strength for our becoming more fully like you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.